Welcome to the Your Confident Self Podcast with Allegra Sinclair. Get ready to punch fear in the throat and gain confidence like never before. I'm here to help you become the powerful woman you're meant to be. Isn't it time that you get unstuck and let us see how fabulous you are? Hey, everyone. I am super excited. Aren't I always excited? I think I am always excited for my guests on the show. But today I am excited because I met this lovely soul a couple weeks ago. And it was one of those things I call a divine appointment. I know she wasn't expecting me. I wasn't expecting her. It was just one of those things where the stars aligned. And as we spoke for just a little bit, Felt that instant electric zing. And I was like, oh, there's more here. Let's poke at this. (laughs) And she was gracious enough to agree to come and play with us for a bit. So my guest today is the fabulous Lee Shea McDonough. And she is a graduate of the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, which is where I went. But she's also a member of the National Association of Social Workers and the International Coach Federation. She's a certified professional coach. In addition, she layers on the chocolatey frosting of being a therapist <laughs> and the founder of Caravelle Coaching. And one of her main areas of focus is mindfulness so that people will feel like they're in control of their lives and can transform their lives. So please welcome Lee Shea McDonough. Hi, Lee. Hi, Allegra. How are you? I am fabulous. And it's so fun to say that, isn't it? And have it be true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I am absolutely fabulous. So when we met a few weeks ago, we were talking about, it was uh in the one of the modules for our training program. And I can't even remember exactly what the exercise was, but we we're talking about the challenges people have around clarity and then kind of taking that step and being brave enough to step into what it is that they see. Yes. Right? So clarity mm-hmm. is one thing, but if you have clarity, but you don't do anything with it, you know, it's kind of like putting the cake in the pan. You'll notice I use food references a lot. It's kind of like <laughs> putting the cake in the pan, but then not baking it. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about what you have seen in your practice around the magic of clarity for people. What does that do for people? I think clarity is the first part of the equation. And I think you're exactly right. If we don't have a deep understanding of who we are and what it is that we're on this world to do, what our purpose is, then we're directionless. And no matter what it is we do with our lives, we're always going to feel a little untethered, unmoored. So when you have that clarity about your purpose, about not just the who, the who you are, but the why, why you're on this earth, what are you here to do? How are you going to change the world? Once you're connected to that and you have that clarity, then that can really inform what you do in the world. So that's why I think it's the first part of the equation. I think insight or clarity is important, but if it doesn't translate into action, then what's the point? Um, And I'll share with you, that's one of the reasons why I moved away from therapy and towards coaching. Um, I love, I still love, I am a therapist. I love being a therapist. I'm now focusing on coaching 100%. But one of the things I loved most about therapy was it really was an insight-oriented process. We spent a lot of time really digging into why my clients had certain behaviors, what those behaviors were rooted in, 
And it was fascinating stuff. But at some point, it became kind of counterproductive because then it was like, all right, well, what now? Where do you want to take this? What do you want to do with your life? And I was finding that within the mental health structure, sometimes it was difficult to translate that into action. Um, Whereas with coaching, we do dig a little bit into the past, but really we are focused on present moment and then developing a really strong vision of our future and then the strategy and the tactics to get us there. And so that's ultimately why I kind of switched from therapy into coaching so that I really feel like we're able to translate that insight into forward progress. It's super exciting. Do you think that's specific to women? Like, do you think women struggle with clarity more than men? Wow, what a fascinating question. I actually think that it's the opposite. Um, What I have seen is that men are traditionally, and and I I am using somewhat kind of... um, some kind of I'm painting with a broad brush right now, and mm, I understand that's that fine. not all men, not all women. <laughs> right. But I will say that I think in general, men are very quick to act. They're quick to move forward. Action's not really an issue with them. Um, whereas women do tend to um, rely more on the insight, and maybe as a result, are not as quick to take. Um, I don't want to say not as quick to take action, but I think there's a, a confidence piece there that's sometimes missing because we are so internally focused and kind of reflecting on, you know, who we are and what makes us us, et cetera, et cetera. So actually, I may have just talked myself into a bit of a circle here, Allegra. You you might be right. I, I do think that there is sometimes a chasm between insight and action, and we find ourselves on one side or the other. And really what I like to do is be the bridge between the two. So that regardless of which side you fall on, whether you tend to be more reflective and insight oriented, or whether you tend to be more action oriented, um, you recognize the value of both and you're able to link them so that one informs the other. So that was a great answer. And I didn't think you talked in a circle. I think you, um, you just, um, you bit the whole cookie. <laughs> Right. Cause they're kind of, we talk about it in simplistic terms, but it's complicated, right? So yeah. when we think one of the things that I am struck by so often when I'm uh, working with a client or hello, even when I'm working on me, right? I'm my first and biggest client. But one of the things I'm struck by is how it's not easy for people to get clarity. And if you've gotten it at one point, it's not that easy to keep it. So what I heard you say was that women, um, might have less challenge with like digging and looking inward, right? The introspective part that helps you kind of figure out, don't we love to ask why? I mean, we love turning stuff over and over in our minds. I know I do. (laughs) The magic is that men will do some of that, but then they do act, whereas we might stay in the processing part of that longer. Yeah. And and I want to say that I don't think that's like a biological imperative or anything. I, I don't think that it's because we're wired one way or the other. I actually think it's because from a social systems perspective, that's what we have kind of been told that we should do. Women in our society are allowed to be more emotional, are allowed to be more sensitive, are allowed to connect on those levels in ways that I'm not sure men are really given permission to do. 
And so as a result, uh, whether we realize it or whether it's subconscious, we kind of adopt those, those social mores. And so I suspect that's why in general, and again, these are sweeping generalities. I, I can mm-hmm. see that. But in general, I think women are a little more comfortable uh, delving into that insight and, and the emotions behind it, whereas men tend to be more rewarded in our society when they take action and when they charge forward. And um, But I also think that we're seeing a shift. I think we're seeing a shift, you know, interpersonally. And I think we're seeing a shift in the business world too. I I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners. And I think even over the last five years, seven years, we're seeing a movement towards uh, action based in insight where, again, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, is a perfect example of that. He's saying it's not enough to focus on the what and the how. You have to go deep into the values and go deep into that sense of purpose, what's driving you forward. Only then is that going to translate into really purposeful action. And so I think we are kind of at a tipping point where to really achieve the success that I think we want, we have to find a way to blend both. And so even if if men, say, have not traditionally been able to do that, my hope is that we're kind of hitting this new age where now they are, where they feel a little more free to do that kind of internally oriented work. And, and conversely, I hope women are feeling more free to step up and step into their power and to take action and to say, yes, uh, there's space for me here too, that I have a voice, I have a purpose, and I belong in this in this realm as well. So that's my dream, is that we can kind of all meet in the middle. And again, I'm, I've got this really strong image in my mind right now of a bridge, and that we are bridging the gaps between, as I mentioned before, insight and action, between traditional masculine and feminine, so that we're all really able to tap into our fullest potential and bring forth whatever it is we were put on this world to do. That is uh, really provocative. Um, hmm. There's so much good meaty stuff there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I just want to stop, get some gravy and keep eating that. <laughs> One of the things that struck me, though, as you were talking was, I don't know, uh, and this is my personal experience, right? Because everybody's looking through their own filter. But I don't know that in my career and with uh, the women that I work with, they have necessarily been given permission, right, for their emotional side to show up or their more intuitive skills to show up, right? So it's not even like a male versus female thing. It's just that most of my clients are women and uh, <laughs> and being one myself. I've been female my whole <laughs> life, but um, <laughs> that most of them um, come from a place where part of the challenge with getting clarity is that they didn't stop and think, okay, so what is it that I really want, right? One of the things I love to tell people is that discontent is contagious. So you could go to work and be in a great mood, but you know, you talk to five people and they're all, oh my gosh, I'm so tired or, oh, I'm so stressed. And then by the time you get to person number six, when they ask you how you are, you're so tired and so stressed because that the molecules of other people's discontent has kind of leapt onto you like a virus. But Let's assume that I have my clarity and I kind of know what it is that makes me special because that's, I think, my superpower. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who I think don't get what is special about them and I love helping them. They know it's in there, right? I just kind of help 
love it. I love helping them root it out. But um, here's a question okay. for you. So let's assume that I know what my superpower is. What do you think are maybe the top two reasons that keep me from moving from knowledge to action? Ooh, that's a juicy question. Talk about throwing gravy on something. (laughs) So my gut instinct is that fear is always what holds us back. So if you know what your superpower is and you're not expressing it in the world, the underlying reason is fear, whether it's fear that you'll be rejected when you're true to yourself and true to your message, whether it's fear that perhaps you'll fail if, if you do, where you won't get the outcome you want. Maybe it's even fear of success, which is, oh my gosh, what, what happens if I actually do get what I want? What next? And so I think it's a lot of fear of the unknown, um, the uncertainty and so forth. And that is just such a huge block moving forward. Um, and, and fear can be so paralyzing. We can get caught up in the what if or what then or what now. And no matter how talented or intelligent or strong we are, we can find ourselves stuck. So I think, I think fear is certainly one of the main factors that kind of keeps us from bringing forth our superpower and sharing it with the world. I think too, and you know, this is something that I struggle with personally is this idea of who am I to do it? You know, this idea of what, what makes me special? What, what makes me think that I'm the one to do this? And it's this idea of almost, um, being, well, here's fear again, being afraid to step into my own power and to own it, to stand up and say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm put on this earth to do. That if I do that, Perhaps, you know, perhaps it's fear of rejection or fear of failure again, but it's this idea that I'm not allowed to do it. And so part of it is first and foremost, regardless of what anybody else says or what society says, first and foremost, I have to give myself permission to do it, to own my superpower and say, this is who I am. And that's something I've struggled with my entire life. I, I think one of my strongest attributes is that um, my social intelligence is pretty strong. I'm the kind of person who can walk into a room, immediately read the energy, and know kind of what's expected of me. And I know how to shift and kind of conform in order to make myself be just the right person at just the right moment in just the right place. But what that means is a lot of times I'm constantly shifting to meet the needs of other people and I'm not necessarily really stepping up and making my own needs known. And I think that is something I will spend my entire life working on, um, whether you know first it was in relationships, then it was in business, who knows what it'll be next. But, this, <laughs> but it's this <laughs> idea that um, I have a right to be here. I have a right to my talents and my gifts and my abilities. I have a right to share them with the world. And in fact, if I don't share them with the world, then not only am I not serving myself, I'm not serving the world. I'm withholding that which makes me great. And that's not good for anyone. It's not good for me and it's not good for the world. And so again, it's giving myself permission to step into my power and and say, yes, I'm here. And I may have some fear that comes along with it, but I'm going to face that fear and do it anyway. 
That's exactly the kind of thing I love about coaching is that it really helps you kind of tap into that. So it's not just knowing who you are and your superpower, but it's also overcoming those blocks that keep you from really bringing it forth into the world. It's such a powerful transformation. Loved everything about that. I think that I'm intrigued by Mm -hmm. the permission aspect and it's fascinating because I had a conversation with a friend of mine, not a client, you know, just regular old people. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago and she kept saying things like, and it's like, you can't turn your coach off, right? It's just all there is to it. Once you've like kind of changed your mind or you've developed those skills, it's hard not to be who you are. Exactly. There's no going back. <laughs> Oh my Lord. I, my family and friends are like, are you, they'll say to me, are you coaching me? And I'm like, no, I'm baby. I'm just talking to you. <laughs> I'm not coaching you. I'm just, Hey, this is kind of how I show up now. But she kept saying, Oh, she could never do such and such, or she could never get away with such and such. And I was fascinated because I suspect we have probably been talking about like that for a long time. I've known her for like 35 years. So I think we probably have been talking about that like that rather since we were nine years old. But I was struck last week or so and I was like, you couldn't get away with it. What does that mean? Because couldn't get away with means like you're doing something wrong and you don't want to get caught or something. But why do we tell ourselves we can't do something? And then we like, you know, in our usual style, dissected mm-hmm. the pudding out of that for like the next hour because the permission thing is deeper than it seems on the surface. So it's not even just that we have to give ourselves permission, but it's like an onion. There can be layers of permission, right? It may be that. So for instance, when I was growing up, I had a really strict Jamaican daddy and a Southern Belle mama. So I wasn't supposed to do a right. lot of talking. Right. <laughs> Right. I was, I was supposed to like be really smart and I was supposed to be very sweet and I was always supposed to like look good. Right. But I wasn't necessarily supposed to be an active participant in things that were going on unless someone specifically like called my Mm -hmm. name. Right. So it was years. I mean, well into adulthood before I thought, wait a minute. I get to like show up and have people pay attention to me. Is that like unladylike or something? (laughs) Or is that rude? Or like, I had several thoughts of like, well, how dare Mm -hmm. I talk to people about whatever it was, right? So it is, it wasn't even that I wasn't giving myself permission, but there was a very real inner conversation that was a compilation of things I had experienced in my life up until that point that told me these things were and were not done. And I think there was no simple way for me to just say, okay, so this is why I'm not moving into action. It was more complicated than that, right? It was meatier than that. But um, I think you touched on something earlier when you talked about the confidence to do that. Because it takes confidence to be different. It takes confidence to show up. It takes confidence to tell your story. And I think different people find confidence in different places. So you said you have struggled your whole life with kind of uh, reckoning or getting your arms around your special superpowers and not just that you're special and you have every right to share them if you want to, but the deeper thing that is, if I don't share mm-hmm. it, the world is missing me. So kind of what tricks do you use to help boost your confidence when you have those moments I'm so glad you asked 
the question that way, because I think it's important to remember that confidence or, or showing up in the world as who you are, it, it's not a one and done thing. Right. Like, oh my yes. gosh, wouldn't it Don't just you be like, wish it was. Confidence. okay, I'm good. No, like these things <laughs> that we yeah. work through, we're going to be facing them our entire lives. You know, the messages that we internalized when we were younger that have limited us or held us back, we can work through them. But I don't know if it's ever possible to fully eliminate them. We can certainly reduce um, their intensity and certainly reduce their impact. But they're always going to be there. And it's something that we're always going to have to be mindful of so that when they kind of creep up in different situations, we do have the strategies to face them head on. So when you ask what strategies do you use to kind of build your confidence, I think that's so relevant because we do need to have a toolkit full of different strategies we can use because that's something we'll need our entire lives and it'll serve us well our entire lives. Um, So in terms of specific strategies that I use, I am definitely a huge fan of writing and a brain dump so that when I find, (laughs) that's what I call it. You're going to see the look on my face. See my mom's inner Southern belle just jumped into me for a moment. I was like, wait, a what? (laughs) A what? So when I talk about a brain dump, it's literally the process of dumping everything out from your head onto the page. So that whatever mental chatter, whatever kind of, you know, those inner voices that are holding you back and keeping you down, just write through it. So, and and it doesn't have to make sense. This is not meant for publication. Nobody's going to see it except you. And you don't even have to read it when you're done if you want. It's not about what it is you're writing. It's about the process. So I find that when I am struggling with self-doubt or insecurity, I pick up my pen and grab my notebook and I start writing. And anything that's going on in my head gets put down on the page. And so it's sometimes it's ugly, you know, sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's angry, sometimes it's silly, but it's just getting all of that out of my head and onto the page. Because what that does for me, it clears out the mental real estate so that I can then return and say, all right, now what? What do I want to do? And not just what do I want to do, but how do I want to show up? How? What's my next step that feels in line with who I am and what I want to be? And so all of the voices that are in there saying, oh, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. People will talk. No one will like you. People will think you're too big for your britches. Whatever the messages are, I've already worked through them on the page. I've gotten all of that out. And now I'm ready to move forward from a place of calm strength. I've kind of tapped back into my inner knowing that, no, no, yes, I've got all those messages going on in my head. They're trying to distract me. They're trying to keep me safe. I'm going to push forward anyway, because this is how I show up authentically. This is how I serve the world by sharing who I am, sharing my gifts in the service of others. Love, so for, love, for me, love, the right love, 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 love. Oh, thank you. first thing I loved right out the gate was when you were like, hey, I grab a piece of paper and I start writing and sometimes it's ugly. And I was like, yes, <laughs> right. Why leave the <laughs> ugliness in though? Right. Well, the, you know, it's part of the process, right? I mean, that's the thing is what, and those of you listening who are creatives, you know, that that first draft is uh, not meant for human consumption. Most times, like that's the space where we play, where we get it all out. And you may write five pages, 10 pages, and 
there may be like two or three sentences in there that are worth it, but you wouldn't have gotten to those sentences if you hadn't spent the five pages writing it all down. So some ways it's like mining for gold and you have to dig through a lot of dirt to find Mm -hmm. that gold. And so that's also kind of trusting the process. Uh, That's certainly a part of my creative process. But for me, it's also a process of just kind of working through my own kind of inner turmoil when when those uh I call them my inner trolls <laughs> when when my trolls come out <laughs> and start beating up on me you know sometimes I need to give them room to speak and I let that happen on the page I just love that word right I think in my mind trolls came back I remember troll dolls when I was little like oh yeah yes with the hair. the hair but it's like I think that's such a perfect descriptive term right for like social media trolls or like people who just kind of run around semi-anonymously just kind of like pooping in people's parades but I love that uh inner trolls I call mine my inner confidence assassin because I used to love like old yes. shows like Mission Impossible and <laughs> Alias you know where there were like spies and there was all sorts of intrigue going on so yeah like, yeah very Jason exactly, Bourne you exactly. know like that's yeah. my mind's yep. like a confidence it's assassin, but I like trolls. It's easier to say. <laughs> it's easier to say. So do you have anything fun or quirky or weird that you do in the moment? Because sometimes for me, when I have a crisis of belief, if I want to give it that much weight, I just need to do something in that moment to shift my energy or at least shift my attention. Yes. So do you have anything like quirky or funny that you do in those moments? I do. I find it kind of quirky. Um, and I will fully admit, I did not invent this strategy. The strategy is actually based in an approach called acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT. ACT is a mindfulness oriented therapeutic approach. And one of the things that ACT teaches you is how to really be aware of your thoughts and to separate you, the person from the thoughts that you have. So it's this idea that you are not your mind, which might seem like kind of a revolutionary idea. But um, the fact of the matter is, like, we are so much greater than our minds. Um, Our minds are a part of us, but our minds are not all of us. And so what that means is when you have a thought, just because you're having that thought doesn't mean it's true. And it doesn't mean it has to be you. And so Um, So the technical term is cognitive diffusion, but basically what that means is you are able to diffuse yourself from your thought. You're not fused together. You can create space between who you are and the thoughts you're having. So when my inner trolls start screaming, that's usually because I'm getting super fused to my thoughts or to the beliefs that I'm not good enough or nobody would want to hear what I had to say and so forth. And so the technique that I use that I think is kind of quirky is called thanking your mind. And so thanking your mind comes from that act philosophy. And basically what it's saying is your mind in feeding you all of these fears and anxieties and concerns and telling you that you're not good enough or pretty enough or smart enough or thin enough or rich enough, whatever it is it's telling you. It's just trying to keep you safe. It does not want you going out on a limb and trying something new and failing. Because if you fail, 
well, then what does that mean? You know, it, it, you could really get yourself into some trouble from an evolutionary perspective. You know, that we could be talking life and death here. So your mind has kind of developed itself into this incredible safety monitor, and its job is to keep you safe at all costs. And if that means living small, fine, because you know what? You're going to be small and safe. So your mind is pumping all of this stuff at you because it thinks it's doing a good job. It thinks it's keeping you safe. And so when that happens and you can recognize what it's doing, you stop and you very sincerely just say, oh, thanks, mind. I see what you're doing there. You're trying to keep me safe. I really appreciate it. But you know what? I don't need a safety monitor right now. I'm going to move forward with whatever it is I'm going to do. And so the act of thanking your mind, again, creates that space between yourself and your thought. You do it. I mean, it's not meant to be sarcastic or a joke. It is lighthearted. Certainly, I think it's kind of quirky to sit there and be like, oh, there I go again. Thanks, mind. But again, it just provides me that little bit of space I need to remind myself, oh, look, look what's happening again. Oh, there goes my mind again. How interesting. Thanks, mind. I see what you're doing. And then in that space, I have the freedom of choice. I can choose whether I want to play small or whether I want to play big and do whatever it is that feels risky. I am digging that, but I have a question. Yes. Do you actually say, okay, mind, or do you name it? (laughs) For me, for me, I say mind. Um, and be, because I really view this as just like those little trolls, those voices for me, it, they are little, little tools of the mind. Um, and it's not a bad thing. Again, I, I don't want to frame this as good or bad or right or wrong. It's merely a tool that the mind is using to help keep me safe. And so for me, it's very much about saying thanks, mind. But, you know, you raise a great point. If you wanted to talk right back to your confidence assassin or if I wanted to talk right back to my troll, mm-hmm. you could do the same thing. You could say, oh, thanks, assassin. I see what you're well, doing there. Name. Or I named mine. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well, then you call her by name. That's why I was like, I'm loving that. I didn't, I had never heard cognitive diffusion before. Mm-hmm. But as you were explaining it, I was like, that's a really nifty little tool. Yeah, isn't it? It's not an adversarial thing between you and your thoughts. Because I have to be honest, often, and I work daily on like positive affirmations and really controlling, you know, what I'm thinking. And I mean, I'm kind of a little crazy with it. Like I don't watch certain shows and I just don't expose myself to a lot of stuff that I think will activate my inner confidence assassin. But it often seems, even when I'm talking to myself about it, like it's adversarial, like I have to slay her or my favorite face, punch fear in the throat. But <laughs> if I think about it as, hey, your mind is kind of like a knight that's trying to protect you. So, right, it's not, it's yeah. sitting there on a horse, you know, like, wait a minute, let me, you know, jump down there and beat some stuff off of her. It feels very different. Doesn't it? All of a sudden you're in partnership with yourself. You're not, you're not fighting a part of who you are because I mean, we need the mind. The mind is just a powerful meaning making machine. Our mind helps us interpret everything that's going on around us. And those interpretations can often be very helpful. So we, it's not that the mind is a bad entity. It's just that sometimes it goes overboard. Again, out of the best intentions. And so we need to be mindful of that and know when to rein it back in. I think it also goes, so I watched a comic the other night 
His name is Patton Oswalt. Oh, I love Patton Oswalt. Okay. Oh, he's so funny. So I love just him. watched Annihilation the other night. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen and that it one. It was yet, about no. a year after his wife passed. And mm-hmm. I was totally sparking to that because between losing my mom, January will be two years, and my brother mm-hmm. in March of this year, grief mm-hmm. is always like right there. I haven't named it. Yes. <laughs> My confidence assassin, Wilhelmina, yes, she has a name, but grief, I haven't been able to give that a name yet. But he was talking in one part of his show about grief and how people will just say things that just shred him without meaning to. So I'm not yeah. going to ruin it since you love him. Find that. It's on Netflix. I will. But, I will. Um, it was, it it was breathtaking. I'm t- I watched it like twice last night. It's like three o'clock in the morning. Yes, I needed to be in bed, but I needed to see that. But the thing was that one of the things that he said his wife was always telling him was that you can't control everything. Life is chaotic. Just be kind. And that is yes. just zinging me right now because I'm thinking, yes. I'm thinking more and more with everything that's going on in the world about, hey, just take a pause and be kind. Let that be your first instinct, right? Don't think of the thing you can say that will shred the other person because they have scissors out, you know, aimed at you. Hey, what if you take a beat and be kind? But taking that and then applying it inward. So instead of, you know, really trying to wrestle some of the things that we'll be dealing with, as you mentioned, for our entire lives, just be kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to your mind is new, new thinking yeah. for me today versus the usual. Cause I'm all over. Yeah. Be kind to other people. Right. I was a girl scout. I know. Be kind. to yes. others. <laughs> <laughs> I got the badges, but it's a different thought to think about being kind to yourself. I love that. Yeah. The idea of turning compassion and kindness inward. I mean, that's a revolution in and of itself, mm-hmm. isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's huge. Love that. Well, I have so loved, I, th- I think I've probably said love eight times in this conversation because <laughs> I have so loved sharing this time with you. I knew when I met you that you were awesome and that we were supposed to meet at that time for that purpose. And I am even more convinced of that. But before I let you go, tell me, um, as you're busy building your practice, who's a great mm-hmm. coaching client for you? Oh, so I absolutely love working with entrepreneurs and small business owners who have this deep sense inside themselves that they are destined for greatness in their business, and yet they are feeling stuck or overwhelmed by the process. And so they kind of vacillate back and forth between what I call the land of opportunity and the land of overwhelm. And they're stuck right there in the border zone uh, between those two lands. And so my ideal client is someone who believes in their deepest deepest selves that they have what it takes to build a business that they like to work in and love to work on and just need a little extra guidance along the way. Somebody who can help them kind of navigate that rocky territory of the border zone, who can help them kind of look inward and develop those insights, but then help them translate those insights into very strategic action-oriented steps to help them build their business. Um, I really believe that how we show up one place is how we show up every place. So even if we start by talking about their business, odds are we're going to then be 
kind of bleeding into other aspects of their life, whether it's their relationships, whether it's time, whether it's money, everything kind of comes up in coaching. But again, when we kind of tackle those issues in one area, we're going to see just their lives blossom and their and their businesses thrive. And so that's that's who lights me up. I just I I love working with passionate, motivated, action-oriented entrepreneurs and small business owners who for whatever reason just need a little extra push in the right direction. Absolutely delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet they are loving you. So the folks who are listening, they want to find out more about Lee. Where should they go? Well, come visit me at my website. It's uh, caravelcoaching.com. That's C-A-R-A-V-E-L coaching.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Caravel Coaching. And I have a Facebook page. So if you just search for Caravel Coaching, that'll come up. But yeah, please come find me on my website and blog. Uh, send me a send me a Facebook message. I love connecting with people. That's that's uh, just it lights me up every day when I get to meet new people and uh, and learn about, you know, how, how someone else kind of views the world. So come find me. Awesome. They will do that. I will make sure that I include include links to Lee's website and her Facebook and Instagram profiles um, in the show notes. And also, um, if you want to go back to the website to check out the show notes, if you're not using the iTunes, I'm so used to calling it iTunes. If you're not using the Apple Podcasts app, you can just go to AllegraSinclair.com slash episode Lee, L-E-E. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I hope you have a powerful rest of your week.